Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad you're back with us today and ready to study the Bible with us. Uh, maybe you're a first-time viewer and you wonder what Know Your Bible is all about. Uh, what we do is answer your questions. A lot of religious TV programs uh, think they know what you want to know about the Bible, so they preach to you or give you a, a, a lesson that they think is good for you. Uh, we take a little different approach. We just let you decide what you want to know about the Bible, and we try to find answers in the Bible to you. We think that helps you know your Bible and hopefully engenders a little respect for the Bible and a little more knowledge of it. So that's what we do. Take viewers' questions. There's a phone number and a website on the screen. Use those anytime to get in touch with us. Give us your question. Uh, we'll put it on our list and work through them just as quickly as we can and get yours on the air as soon as possible. So that's what we do and be happy to have a new question from you. Uh, the fellow that helps me with that every week is Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're back and ready to go. And I'm Steve Tandy, and we're going to try to answer as many as we can today. But our custom is to always start with one for our viewers and see if you know a little bit of Bible. Uh, we're going to ask you to quote a verse this time. We hardly ever ask you to quote a scripture, but uh, the hint on this one, it's pretty short. So many of you probably will get it just from that hint. Uh, John 11:35, and we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you know that one bit of scripture. All right, looks like I drew the first question today. So let me get started. Viewer wants to know, when I die, will I see God when I come before him in judgment? And will that be in the flesh? Or in the spirit is the way the viewer asked the question. Uh, well, we could spend a lot of time talking about the fact that when you die and when judgment day is, or a little bit apart, uh, depending on when you die, of course. Uh, some people have been dead a long time and judgment day hasn't come yet. Uh, so that's another question. But when we get to the judgment, uh, or even right when we die, will we see the Lord? I believe so. Uh, Paul talked about being absent from the body and present with the Lord. Uh, so we're going to be in his presence with him. Uh, will we see him? Yes, we will see him. Now, exactly how that's going to work, we're going to have resurrection bodies, uh, but they're spiritual bodies. They're different than fleshly bodies. So to call them flesh, I don't think is quite right, but to say that we see Yes, definitely. In fact, there's a verse that says that, Revelation 22, verse 3 and 4. Let's look at that, and that will answer the question. Uh, John's revelation, he said, He saw the throne of God, and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face. All right, we're going to see God, uh, John says. And since He's spirit, and since we're in spiritual bodies, uh, to call it flesh is probably not quite right, but we're going to see him. So we'll let him worry about the details. It's going to be glorious, whatever, however it works. All right. 
I have a question from someone who can't attend a church. Uh, he or she writes, I can't go to church and I give my tithe to ministries that help children. Is that okay or do I have to give to church to build their churches? Well, uh, the Bible is very clear that uh, giving is part of our spiritual journey and it doesn't get too much into the legalistic part of the rules and the how much, all that, especially in the New Testament. Uh, but we are to give to the Lord and we are to grow in the grace of giving. And I believe the reason for that is because God in His nature is a giver. Probably one of the most well-known verses uh, in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Uh, his nature is that. And so the more that we learn to give, uh, the more we become like our Father and understand His heart as well. Um, I was thinking about this question, and I wanted to go to Malachi chapter 3, which is a, a verse that kind of deals with giving, but it was, of course, under the Old Testament law. And let's read in verse uh, chap chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now, I said that uh, we don't have many requirements on us today. Uh, the tithe in the Old Testament was a requirement. It was not an option at all. And so in the New Testament, sometimes you'll hear say, people say, well, that's a good place to think about starting at 10%. <clears throat> that's fine. Um, but in the Old Testament... Uh, they had to start with the 10%. What had happened in Malachi's time is that the storehouse uh, was, was a, a picture of God's temple uh, where people brought the tithe of their income and their crops and their animals. And that's where all of that was stored. It was kind of referring, it was Malachi's way of referring to the temple treasury. Uh, it was overseen by God's holy people, the, the priests. And it was used for God's purpose. And what had happened in that time is that people had stopped bringing their tithes and offerings to the storehouse. And as a result, uh, God's work suffered. Uh, and so many of the priests had to work as farmers. And a lot of the uh, uh, nation lost its spiritual focus. And a lot of the, the poor and the orphaned suffer because uh, they were taken care of out of that uh, temple treasury. And now we don't have a literal... Uh, storehouse today. It's different, I understand. But I want us to understand this principle. The tithe belonged to God, and it was to be managed by God's people and to be used for God's purposes. Now, Acts chapter 2, under the New Testament, when the church began, we see this starting to develop among God's people. And, and I love how Acts chapter 2 won't be on the screen, but it says, all the believers were together this is verse 44, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And so the church was the place where people brought their, uh, their offerings and, and just it was shared among everyone so that there was no need among the early believers. You skip forward about three chapters to Acts chapter 5. We're told a story, it's kind of a negative story actually, about Ananias and Sapphira because they tried to deceive God. They tried to deceive others by saying, this money that they brought was from the sale of a field and they kept part for themselves. But in that story, it says they brought the money to the apostles' feet. So I think there is kind of a, a continuation of this idea that, that giving to the Lord is to be brought to the Lord's house, to be to used by God's people, 
and done for his purposes. Now you kind of say in your question, it seems a little passive aggressive to me about, well, do I have to support church churches to build their buildings and all of that? Well, um, I, I maintain that every organization, even ones that do good, have overhead. Uh, you know, if they support a children's home here in town and they have to build buildings and they have to hire people and do things like that. Churches have the same thing. So uh, if you're a Christian, I think you ought to find a church that uh, lines up with the mission of God, that seems to be doing the work of God, and uh, just trust that it's going to good work. Now, over and above that, can you support children's homes and ministries and all sorts of good works? Absolutely, that's fine. But I think the principle in the Old Testament and in the New is that uh, giving was to be done to the Lord first, and then uh, you can do other good things as well. So uh, I think there's opportunities to give in all sorts of ways, and certainly with online, you know, it can be a part of a church through online giving and worship and all of that. Let's finish by reading 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So grow in your giving, support the Lord's work and the Lord's <coughs> church, and, and then uh, go from there. All righty. Got a question about somebody's friend. The viewer says, I have a friend who is an atheist. Can he be saved in spite of not believing? Well, interesting question. Uh, can he be saved? Uh, if you stress the can of it, uh, could God do that if he wanted to? Yeah, God can do anything he wants to. He's going to understand and he will not make any mistakes when he decides who's saved and who isn't. Uh, but all we can do is teach what the Bible says. And according to the Bible, no. Uh, believing in God is the first prerequisite uh, for being saved. Hebrews 11.6 is the one we'll look at. <coughs> Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. <coughs> so that's the basics. Uh, you got to believe that there is a God. Now, some people say, well, that's a little too harsh. Well, why can't you just save somebody uh, without them believing that? Well, Romans 1 is a good chapter to read, uh, and Paul explains there what happens when people deny that God exists. And his premise in Romans 1 is that there is no excuse for not knowing there is a divine being. Uh, there's no way you can look at the creation and honestly, logically, say, nope, nobody created that. Uh, you can see his divine power. You can see that there's somebody divine there that had to do this. So Paul said there's no excuse for saying there's no God. So people who do have to deny what they actually can figure out. They deny that there's a God. So it's not just that somebody's an atheist and doesn't know any better and all that. It, it's a conscious decision that, no, I'm going to go against all logic and all evidence and say that there's no God. So Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. We must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So answer your question from the Bible, no. Uh, afraid does not. Now let me say this, I'm glad that your friend uh, has a friend who understands believing and understands some things about God and uh, 
cares about their soul and maybe you can have some influence on him by your life. So uh, I'm grateful that you're in that person's life. But Hebrews 11.6 is the answer to your question. All right, let me take this moment and invite you to study the Bible with us in a special way. We like to answer questions here, but uh, there's a whole lot more in the Bible than we get to in just a few minutes each week. So we have some Bible study materials. Uh, we've been using them for years and years, and we found them to be very helpful in getting people acquainted with the Bible. Uh, starting Bible study is kind of hard sometimes. People don't know how to sit down and just start reading, or what do you do? Where do you start? Uh, this course kind of helps you understand that. It explains the different parts of the Bible to you. It starts with uh, a lesson about the Old Testament and then one about the New Testament. So right off the bat there, you know the difference between those two. A great way to get familiar with your Bible. And then there's six other lessons that cover other topics. So when you're done with this, you'll have a pretty good overview of your Bible and know what's there and what it's about. We've got some more advanced courses you can keep studying for a long time with Know Your Bible Study Tools. So take us up on that. The way you do that, there's a phone number and a website on the screen all the time. Just use either one of those and get in touch with us. Say you'd like that free course and we'll get it to you. And it is free, by the way. Uh, you'll never be asked for money. You won't be put on any mailing list. won't be bothered in any way. Uh, we just want to provide some study materials to you. So let us know you want it and we'll get it to you. All right, Toby, what do you got? Well, a uh, viewer asked the question, when a believer dies and an unbeliever dies, where does each of, do each of them go? Well, the answer is that the Bible says very little about the afterlife experience. Uh, in fact, we really only have one place uh, that gives us much of any detail as to what happens immediately when a person dies. It's found in Luke chapter 16, Starting in about verse 19, it's the story of the rich man and Lazarus, as Jesus told it. And from that one story, uh, we get, uh, a, it's a very small little hole, but we can look through it and see a lot of things. Uh, but it's based solely on that story that Jesus told. Um, in the, uh, under the Old Testament, the place, the realm of the dead, the Hebrew word for that was called Sheol. And under the New Testament, uh, the, the Greek word for it is Hades. And uh, it was just the realm of the dead, the place where the dead go. In Luke chapter 16, we're given this picture that when you die, believers and non-believers uh, go to Hades, go to Sheol. And that in there, the realm of the dead, there are two sides. Uh, on one side is the uh, Abraham side, the, the, the paradise, uh, the place where the believers go. And the, then the other side is the place of torment, uh, the, the place uh, where uh, Lazarus, I'm sorry, the rich man was. And between these two places is a great chasm, a, a division between the two that could not be crossed. Although, we, as we read in the story, it sounds like they have memory, uh, they have the ability to reason. They have the ability to feel pain. Uh, they have the uh, ability to recognize people. And so we just are reading into this story. Uh, but those who are in Christ are safely at Abraham's side. And uh, they are in paradise. 
and we believe they're awaiting the final judgment there. Uh, and those who are not in Christ, they go to Tartarus, is another word for it, the place of torment, and they await hell uh, on the final judgment day. So see, once you die, uh, really you're just waiting, but your, your destination has already been set. There's no changing it once you die. Uh, but these seem to be waiting places for the dead, and their destination is secure and cannot be changed. Let's read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And the Hebrew writer says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So uh, that's what we know from Luke chapter 16 about where you go after you die. All righty. Thank you, Toby. Question about uh, angels here and Actually, it's a little more confusing than it might seem at first, but let's try it. Was it an angel talking in the burning bush, and was it an angel that parted the Red Sea? Uh, well, most of our viewers probably are thinking, well, no, it was God in the bush, and it was God in the Red Sea. Uh, but if you read the scripture, it talks about the angel of the Lord, and sometimes it's hard to tell exactly uh, what's being talked about. Let me just give you an example. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 2 about the burning bush. And let's look at these verses in it. The first one is verse 3, or verse 2. Verse 2 says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. So we say, okay, it was an angel. Then you go just two more verses, verse 4, and it says, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. Well, now all of a sudden it's God. So that's why our viewer asked this question. Which is it? Was it an angel or was it God? Well, I think the solution is that uh, when it's an angel like Gabriel or Michael doing something, it specifically names them and says that they're an angel. Uh, but the term angel of the Lord seems to be significant somehow. Uh, when we read about the angel of the Lord, often the Bible does just what it did there in Exodus 2. It kind of flips back and forth between the angel of the Lord and God and kind of equates them. So a lot of people have surmised that when it says angel of the Lord, that's a way of saying a messenger uh, from God who is God. And a lot of people think that's Jesus in his pre-incarnate state uh, that represents God coming to deal with man. Uh, so, angel of the Lord is a little bit special. It's a different term than just plain old angels. Uh, so, I think that's the answer to our viewer's question. When you see angel of the Lord, kind of be on the, the pay attention, because pretty soon it's probably going to say God somehow. So, uh, probably God doing both of those things is my interpretation. All right, let me take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. We are kept on the air by Churches of Christ and like to recognize a few of our supporters each week. Today, let me talk about two of them on the east side of Wichita. Wichita, Kansas is the home church of Know Your Bible. And uh, if you live over on the east side, there's a couple of congregations that uh, know about Know Your Bible and support us, and we'd like to talk to you about them. Augusta at 3500 North Ohio, great bunch of folks there. And the Wichita East Point congregation over on the far side, get off the bypass there. You can find it pretty easily. Uh, so Augusta and East Point, if you live on the east side of Wichita, there are a couple of places that you'd be warmly welcomed. Uh, you'd find folks who think and study about the Bible a lot like we do on this program. 
uh, we'd invite you to drop in and visit them sometime. Or maybe you just know somebody that attends the Augusta Church of Christ or East Point. Uh, tell them you saw them mentioned on Know Your Bible and you watch the program and you appreciate them helping provide it for you. So uh, any market you're in, there's Church of Christ near you, look one up sometime if you're looking for a home church or just drop in and visit and give them a thank you for this program. So we'd like to recognize them. Okay, a viewer asked, what are the requirements, uh, what requirements are there for baptism? And my answer to that is there's really not many, there's a few. Uh, first is that you have to have the ability, the cognitive ability to understand, uh, to believe, to have faith, uh, to, un to uh, understand sin and what that is and how that separates you from God. Now, of course, this means that uh, infants and, and very young children uh, wouldn't need to be or, or uh, have the ability to really be baptized for the forgiveness of sins because it's, they're too young to understand uh, what faith is and to have believing faith. Uh, we know what Hebrews 11 defines faith, uh, but Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith is where it starts. Uh, that belief, that understanding of who God is and, uh, and, and His desire to be in relationship with them. Uh, then I think the second thing is the ability to repent. Uh, repentance in many places in the Scripture is tied to baptism. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 Peter's preaching this great sermon. Uh, the men who are there hearing it are cut to the heart. And they say, what do we do? And Peter says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And repent means a changing a heart, a turning away, a, a, a godly sorrow that says, I, I'm, I'm so sorry for what I've done, and I want to do different, and I want to change that's repentance. That's the idea. And so faith and then repentance. Uh, and then you just have the uh, uh, ability to profess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, that you believe that with all your heart. And as the overflow of uh, the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart, then you're going to profess that uh, with, your, with your mouth. So um, faith, repentance, uh, the ability to profess that Jesus is Lord, I think that's all you need to do. Uh, we're t given many examples in Scripture of uh, people commanding and, and people being baptized, and uh, those seem to be the common threads throughout all of them. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. If you have faith that Jesus says is who He says He was, and you're willing to change your life and be a follower of His and profess Him as Lord, then you're ready to be baptized, to be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's look Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Uh, this was the instruction given to Paul. Now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on His name. Alrighty. We got uh, one about angels again. I got a couple of angel yeah. questions this yeah, week. Uh, this one, is there anywhere in the Bible where angels are singing? 
That's another one I learned something about. I, when I got that question, I thought, well, sure, there's all sorts of stuff in the Bible about angels singing. That's, that's what they do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I started looking, and you can't hardly find one. Uh, <clears throat> even the famous one that we picture, the, the, the herald angels singing uh, in Luke chapter 2. Let's read that together just to show you. Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. And after the angel, one angel, gave the message to the shepherds, about Jesus' birth. Then it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Well, we sing that they were singing, but it says they were praising God and saying glory to God. So I don't know if they were singing that or not. Uh, maybe the praising God part was the singing. I don't know, but that verse gets close, but it doesn't really say angels are singing. Uh, I did find one. Let's go to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12. And uh, it talks about many angels. And it says, in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength. The great hymn there. Uh, so that's the one place I could find definitively uh, that says angels were singing in Revelation 512 is a place that says that. All right, Toby, All right. last one, I think. Yes, uh, a viewer asked the question, is it a sin for people to wear clothing of the opposite sex? And my answer to that is, uh, I think there's two sort of extremes to it. At one end is uh, where uh, the, you know, someone's being silly or playing a joke or doing a skit or something like that. And uh, you have a guy dressed up in girls' clothing or vice versa. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's probably, you know, it's just being silly and no problem with that. Uh, I think this, the other extreme where a person's trying to identify a gender that they are not biologically, I think there is a problem with that. I think trying to be something different than God created you to be uh, is definitely not what God had in mind because you're basically... Uh, going against how God created you to be. Uh, your DNA says you're male, and you're, you know, male, and you need to act like a boy or a man, and uh, the same is true if you're female. Uh, the Bible doesn't say very much about this, Deuteronomy chapter 22, uh, but it, it's under the Old Testament. It was a different covenant. You can look up the verse if you want to. Um, but it, it was speaking to the Israelites for them at that time, but I think for the same reason. They didn't want men to identify as women and for women to identify as men. So uh, let's read what Jesus said about this in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And uh, in the context, of course, he's talking about marriage, uh, but we understand that God did create you and I with biological gender and uh, that there's uh, not a democracy on that. It's not based on how you feel. It's uh, how God created you to be. So the principle is be how God created you. Okay. And I was thinking as you answered that, that's not very politically correct today, but yep. I, I want to save our viewers before they get too exercised about it. <laughs> Remember the name of this program is Know Your Bible. Right. So we, we answer from the Bible. Uh, we don't give you what is currently popular or correct or uh, makes everybody happy. We just tell you what the Bible says. And the Bible's pretty clear about that. 
Uh, God wants men to be men and women to be women. All right, let's answer a trivia question and get done here today. Viewer, uh, the question is, quote John 11:35, and some of you probably knew it when I told you it was really short. It's, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Of course, the story was at the uh, funeral of Lazarus, and then when Jesus saw how much Mary and Martha missed their brother, it just says he wept. Uh, and the Jews that were watching said, see how he loved him. They, they knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. All right, we're out of time for questions, but we're glad you've been with us. We're going to be back next week trying to answer some more of them. So we invite you back then. Till then, have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.